Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This story is called A Horseman in the Sky, and this is part one. Thank you for listening. A Horseman in the Sky by Ambrose Bierce One sunny afternoon in the mid-autumn of the year 1861, a soldier lay in a clump of laurel by the side of a road in western Virginia. He lay at full length upon his stomach, his feet resting upon the toes, his head upon the left forearm. His extended right hand loosely grasped his rifle, but for the somewhat methodical disposition of his limbs and a slight rhythmic movement of the cartridge box at the back of his belt, he might have been thought to be dead. He was asleep at his post of duty, but if detected, he would be dead shortly afterward, death being the just and legal penalty of his crime. The clump of laurel in which the criminal lay was in the angle of a road which, after ascending southward a steep acclivity to that point, turned sharply to the west, running along the summit for perhaps one hundred yards. There it turned southward again, and went zigzagging downward through the forest. At the salient of that second angle was a large flat rock jutting out northward, overlooking the deep valley from which the road ascended. The rock capped a high cliff. A stone dropped from its outer edge would have fallen sheer downward one thousand feet to the tops of the pines. The angle where the soldier lay was on another spur of the same cliff. He had been awake. He would have commanded a view, not only of the short arm of the road and the jutting rock, but of the entire profile of the cliff below. It might well have made him giddy to look. The country was wooded everywhere, except at the bottom of the valley to the northward, where there was a small natural meadow, through which flowed a stream, scarcely visible from the valley's rim. This open ground looked hardly larger than an ordinary dooryard, but was really several acres in extent. It is green, was more vivid than that of the enclosing forest. Away beyond, it rose a line of giant cliffs similar to those upon which we are supposed to stand in our survey of the savage scene, and through which the road had somehow made its climb to the summit. The configuration of the valley, indeed, was such that from this point of observation it seemed entirely shut in, and one could but have wondered how the road which found a way out of it had found a way into it, and whence came and whither went the waters of the stream that parted the meadow more than a thousand feet below. No country is so wild and difficult, 
but men will make it a theater of war. Concealed in the forest at the bottom of that military rat trap in which half a hundred men in possession of the exits might have starved an army to submission, lay five regiments of Federal infantry. They had marched all the previous day and night and were resting. At nightfall, they would take to the road again, climb to the place where all unfaithful sentinel now slept, and descending the slope of the ridge, fall upon a camp of the enemy at about midnight. Their hope was to surprise it, for the road led to the rear of it. In case of failure, their position would be perilous in the extreme, and fail they surely would should accident or vigilance apprise the enemy of the movement. The sleeping sentinel and the clump of laurel was a young Virginian named Carter Druse. He was the son of wealthy parents, an only child, and had known such ease in cultivation and high living as wealth and taste were able to command in the mountain country of western Virginia. His home was but a few miles from where he now lay. One morning he had risen from the breakfast table and said quietly but gravely, Father, a Union regiment has arrived at Grafton. I am going to join it. The father lifted his linen head, looked at the son a moment in silence, and replied, Well, go, sir, and whatever may occur, do what you conceive to be your duty. Virginia, to which you are a traitor, must get on without you. Should we both live to the end of the war, we will speak further of the matter. Your mother, as the physician has informed you, is in a most critical condition. At the best, she cannot be with us longer than a few weeks, but that time is precious. I would be better not to disturb her. So Carter Druce, bowing reverently to his father, who returned the salute with a stately courtesy that masked a breaking heart, left the home of his childhood to go soldiering. By conscience and courage, by deeds of devotion and daring, he soon commended himself to his fellows and his officers, and it was to these qualities and to some knowledge of the country that he owed his selection for his present perilous duty at the extreme outpost. Nevertheless, fatigue had been stronger than resolution, and he had fallen asleep. What good or bad angel came in a dream to ruse him from his state of crime, who shall say, without a movement, without a sound, in the profound silence and the languor of the late afternoon, some invisi invisible messenger of late touched with unsealing finger the eyes of his consciousness, whispered into the ear of his spirit the mysterious awakening word which no human lips have ever spoken, no human memory ever has recalled. He quietly raised his forehead from his arm and looked between the masking stems of the laurels, instinctively closing his right hand 
about the stock of his rifle.